Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Join Justin Townsend and the Harvesting Nature crew as they explore the world of cooking wild fish and game while sharing recipes, tips, tricks, and lessons learned from their pursuit of wild food. We sure hope you ate before the show, because you're going to leave hungry. This is the Wild Fish and Game Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Harvest and Nature's Wild Fish and Game podcast. You got your host here, Justin Townsend. And uh, today, uh, I got a, a special guest with me, uh, Crew Chat. So, uh, Tori is part of our Harvesting Nature uh, field staff writing crew. She uh, helps contribute some awesome recipes and uh, adventure stories and all that other stuff that the field staff writers uh, help put out so uh just want to take a chance an opportunity and get to know her and kind of what got her into the the world of wild fish and game cooking and and uh talk a lot about cooking because tori is uh is also a trained chef like me actually both trained in the same same part of the world which is cool um so yeah but First, uh, I'm going to run through some, some little admin notes here. So, Tori, feel free to jump in if you have any questions, but uh, it's pretty straightforward. So, for me, uh, new since my last podcast, uh, spent a week up in Oregon hunting black bear and uh, a great experience. Uh, put in about 40 miles over the five days we were hunting, glassed a lot of ridge lines, a lot of clear cuts. Uh, and then on the fourth day, we saw bears. And then on the fifth day, uh, Ryan, uh, from The Way We Hunt, was out there. Him and Emily there with uh, Ben and Colin. Ben, Colin, and myself. So there were five of us total. And on the fifth day, uh, we got Ryan connected with a bear. And uh, we spent the most of the night packing it out and then the following morning. Uh, but great adventure. Look for some more uh, videos. Uh, short films and uh, written articles about our experiences out in Oregon. So that was that was quite an adventure. Have you ever done any any black bear hunting, Tori? I've not. Um, I would love to though. It's it's a pretty neat uh it's a pretty neat experience. I you never really realize how big they are until you got up on them. And this one was probably like three to four hundred or yeah, I'd say like three to four hundred pounds because we weighed all our packs as we came out each time and we totaled like three hundred something pounds of meat. So uh, but just, we had to drag it out of a swamp. Uh, and that took both Ryan and I, all the effort we had to like drag it six feet to get it on a flat surface to like work on it. Um, I, I would like to probably do every kind of hunting, <laughs> um, nice. that I can, um, just a big change from where I once was, but, um, I'm also, uh, okay with taking things slow. And I realized that, um, you know, it takes like, 
I guess, understanding certain areas before jumping, uh, skipping parts. <laughs> so I don't know <laughs> if I'm ready for black hair. I mean, you just, uh, you don't really know till you know, I guess. Um, it's very true. <laughs> yeah. I, I had never actually even been to the state of Oregon, uh, when we went out, but, uh, we decided to go, I've got kind of a little strategy for the way I go hunt public lands and, uh, that I've never been to and only like e-scouted. And I, I usually dedicate now about a week and usually the first day is just a complete wash. And then, uh, after that we, we finally like you judge each step is sort of a progress of like, Oh, Hey, we, we found sign to like, Oh yeah, this seems like a good area to like, Oh, there's some animals. And then finally, you know, hopefully right. you, you, you get the deed done, but um, that's awesome yeah it, it sounds it, it like a really um great experience too <laughs> it was we we camped out the the whole entire time like i i think the city of eugene which i flew in and out of we only spent uh i spent maybe an afternoon of one day and an evening of another there and we were we were in the national forest the whole uh the rest of the time so it was pretty awesome but let's see, I'll go ahead and hit a plug for our Adventures for Food podcast. So Corey is always on the search for guests for that. We've been putting out some great content with everyone telling their stories on those short, uh, condensed versions that run every other Sunday here on the same podcast channel. And then our Facebook community page, too. Be sure you're uh, you're hitting that up. That's a great place to go interact with the crew, with fans, share your recipes, share your your hunting and fishing successes or failures, ask questions, all that all these links are in the show notes to be able to hit them up. And, and as always, if you like what we're doing, you can always buy us coffee. Uh, you know, you can buy us a cup, two cups, three cups, four cups, seven. That's a, that's about my daily intake. But um, <laughs> it, it's one of those things that uh, keeps us going on those, those long, dark nights of editing podcasts and writing articles. Uh, help say thank you for the things that you love to read and watch and listen to. Um, outside of that, uh, our friends over at Allen company, if you go over to their website, buyallen.com, that's B Y A L L E N.com and, uh, shop around there. And if you find something you like, if you punch in the code harvest 10, you'll get 10% off at checkout. So that's a, that's a cool thing going on that they have. Uh, they got some great stuff. I used a lot of their turkey hunting gear this past spring season and, uh, uh, although not successful in my turkey harvesting endeavors, I was, in fact, successful in my gear management endeavors, thanks to Alan. So there's that. But now I want to introduce you all to, to Tori. So, uh, Tori's been, you've been riding now for us for about six months? Maybe a year. I don't I think we're closer to a year. Closer to a year. All right. Well, let's maybe do nine that months. <laughs> we'll, we'll round up. Let's call it a year. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, like where you're from, where you kind of hang out, what got you into the the wild and wild fish and game world. Wow, that was a mouthful. Um, please tell us about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so first of all, thank you having me on. Um, I'm super excited uh, to speak. You know, it's I, I spend a lot of time by myself, so um, getting to speak with people that I communicate with through email a lot is pretty nice. <laughs> um, so I am a wild game chef now. Um, I graduated from, I say now because that's definitely, um, I, I, you, if I, when I went to culinary school, if you'd have asked me if I was going to be a wild game chef and a hunter, I would have laughed at you. Moving on, though. Um, so, yeah, I went to culinary school um, in Baton Rouge, and I left. When I left school, I moved back home, and I've been a chef for about 15 years now, um, working in and around restaurants all over the area where I live. A few restaurants in Houma, Louisiana, um, Baton Rouge, and now I hunt and cook for hunters mostly. <laughs> nice. And, uh, so when you say you cook for hunters, you get out to camps and, uh, I, I've seen you've done a little bit of traveling around too, cooking as well. Yeah. Um, so all of that kind of just started in the past two years, I would say. Um, before that I was at Honey Break Lodge, um, and I left there and just kind of started building my own little path, I guess. And 
it's really evolved. Um, it's been really fun and I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. So yeah, I, I, um, it's been a growth process too. And it's almost as if I'm creating uh, a business model, you know, for something that's not like very common. So I can't like go and look up like, you know, you know, as a chef, you, you know what I'm talking about? Like you can go and like, look up, uh, this is what this chef does. This is, this is all very new. And, um, not a lot of people do it that I know of. Um, there's more people doing it now than there was a year ago. And that's really exciting. I think so. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's growing in popularity and, you know, I, I kind of probably hit this one over and over, but I think a lot more people are starting to pay attention to their food, give it, you know, the, the effects of COVID-19, the conversations about food security prior to that, you get more people out hunting and fishing now than, than, uh, you know, in a very long time, which, which is, uh, it's good. So, but it's good to see people doing it in a very conscious, thoughtful manner and, and, uh, very food focused, uh, versus, you know, some alternatives. So, yeah, you know, I, um, I think too, on the, on the chef and, you know, restaurant industry people, uh, that side of it, you know, COVID really rocked the boat. And I think, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of people got brave and I've seen a lot of chefs kind of branch out and do their own creative freelance type things. And, um, interestingly enough, I was kind of already building this path right before COVID hit, but, um, it's, I think that has a lot to do with it too. So it's kind of, it's been fun to see. I'm excited, um, for anyone who's getting outside and also dining outside. It's a really cool thing. <laughs> so what's been, uh, what's, what's been your favorite trip that you've, you've been on or your, your cooking slash camping slash adventure trips mm. so far? So far, man. So I do not, um, it's hard for me to compare any, (laughs) (laughs) it it really, yeah, it really is. Um, but so I spent a lot of time at GK Paloma Ranch, um, right near Eagle Pass, Texas on the border of Mexico. Um, I spent a lot of time there and that was, let's see, I was probably there six or seven different times. And, um, I loved every moment there. Um, it It's just such wild country. I mean, there's, I don't know, like it, it almost looks like dead, you know, the, the whole area and then like going out and like photographing deer after cooking breakfast. <laughs> so, and another thing is um, hanging out with the guests is a really special part of that. that I actually had no idea would be something um, that I enjoyed like I do. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's not that I don't like people. Maybe it's just that I like <laughs> intentional small gatherings. I'm really honing yeah. in on my nichiness these days. <laughs> That's good. You got to, uh, you know, capitalize on those those moments for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what got you What got you into the, the world of cooking fish and game? Um, you know, it, it, it started from you know, just a need for nutritious foods and a desire to have healthy and nutritious foods. After I left culinary school, um, I had learned so much, you know, about, uh, what, what, what food really is and what its purpose is in our lives. So, um, I just picked up hunting. I mean, it's a deeper and longer story than that, but in reality, um, I had a vegetarian diet, uh, <laughs> for a bit through culinary school. And, um, that was after learning, you know, kind of some of the ways that things were done in our food industry and my way of like fighting back was I'm not going to eat the shit, you know? And, and honestly, like I was young and I was very young and mm-hmm. that probably wasn't the best way, but it was cool. I learned a lot about my willpower also in that time. Um, I mean, I learned a lot about how much willpower I actually had. Um, and, <laughs> Anyway, so when I moved back home, I didn't have access to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or any of those fresh market, great places like that. Um, There was like one grocery store and a Walmart. And I was like, well, this isn't going to work. So I just took the, um, I mean, the hunting, it it actually took a while. People had um, given us meat and stuff that I'd cooked and started to taste a bit here and there. Um, But as far as myself, like harvesting it, it took some time. 
gardening has always been a thing though. You know, that, that was something that I immediately jumped into. Nice. I am a, I'm a huge fan of, of gardening. We did, uh, I worked on a number of like farm projects down here in the Florida Keys. I'm actually finishing up one now. Uh, but yeah, I love the gardening aspect. I think it goes hand in hand and I, I think it's very common for people that care enough to go out and hunt and fish for their own food or often at times, uh, either foraging or growing their own as well in addition. And I think it's a, it, they all complement each other. It just feels good. You know, I, um, not to get off subject a little bit, but, uh, and I've thought so much about this recently. Um, there, there's something really special about even our foods when, you know, it's, it's a very natural thing for us to appreciate things more when we work for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, Regardless of the intensity of labor or not, um, that is a, a really natural thing, and we've gotten really far away from that. So, I I think, and and if you'd asked me, I, I wouldn't have been able to tell you this, you know, ten years ago <laughs> or even five years ago. But as as this whole journey of mine has evolved, that's one thing that really sticks out um, is that you know, convenience is not our friend most of the time. Um, <laughs> it's sneaky and, and, you know, working for our food is also necessary, I think. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you on that. And I think, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely something to be said about, you know, a good analogy would be like buying a car, right? So when you turn 16, you can buy a car, you want to hit the road and do all kinds of fun stuff. And, you, you tend to, if you have to put sort of that sweat equity and earn the money and all that other stuff to to buy the car, you're gonna. The theory is you're you're gonna take care of it more versus like somebody just being like, "Hey, here's a car," and you kind of don't gain gain the full appreciation for it. And I, I I definitely easily transfers over to the world of food. You know, uh, right? I think especially when like. Hey, you know, you're out in the spring, you're prepping your gardens, you're planting seeds, then you're actually planting things in the garden, then you're taking care of them day after day after day after day until you're ready to harvest, and then you're putting them on the plate, sharing them with your friends and family. You know, if you're in the the realm of wild food, like the amount of time, effort, and energy, and often money that goes into going out to be like, I'm going to go deer hunting, or, you know, I'm going to travel to Oregon, go for black bear, like that uh, is is unrivaled by anything else in the world of food. It, it really is. And, um, you know, back to what you were saying as, you know, with the car analogy, you know, I immediately thought, well, our, our bodies are our vehicles. They mm-hmm. were given to us, you know, and so it's kind of like our, ve- our vehicles were given to us. <laughs> now it's like, okay, so, so our, your job in life is to learn how to um, connect the dots and and take care of yourself and, and utilize take care of yourself so that you can eventually help others and, and assist others to help take care of them whether it be whatever you do so yeah got off subject a little bit but I was like wow yeah we are the vehicles <laughs> we no no that. no so it's a great point I like it uh, it's it's very valuable um, insight for sure. I just, uh, yeah, I have an appreciation for it, you know, and, and think about there's there's a lot of people throughout in various generations where it's easy to walk to the supermarket or, you know, pick up the phone and call or, I mean, now it's like I can buy groceries on my cell phone. I can get Uber Eats and get whatever. <laughs> like it completely takes out, it takes right. out uh, a lot of it. Now it's great for sometimes multitasking, but uh there are people who don't have the connection with the food like others do and and right you know and that's another thing like I I think sometimes um there is this this thing too with all the disconnectedness that occurs like I feel like sometimes um you know no matter how honest and like forthcoming I am like on my basically on Instagram a lot of times or my website um like, I still feel like people sometimes get this notion, like, I'll have someone send me a message like, oh, my God, you're, like, out in the wild every day. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and it, and that always, like, brings me back, um, it, it brings me back home to, like, the importance of, you know, the balance of, yes, it's important to, like, share your truth and be 
be boldly honest, but also that like, no matter what people's perceptions are always different than each other's. Like it's kind of, and I think the same thing with food and the connectedness um, and people's will and ability or desire to become more connected. So another rant. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to make a good segue here. Uh, You opened it up for me. So as you began your journey with, with wild foods and you sort of, uh, kind of started getting more involved in it going on your hunts when was like that that sort of aha moment that you felt that you felt the emergence of that connection do you remember it um i i I remember about the time um Mm -hmm. it was let's see so i would say probably i have to sit here and think about how old i am right now um, I was probably about 27, 28 no years old. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like 34, I think. Yeah. Um, so, but, and, and I remember the time in my life and the chapter I was in chapter of my life that I was in was, um, very shambled and broken and, um, starting anew again, like, I'm like, okay, here we go again. You know, um, I had just moved back home with my kids from Homa and, um, my parents, we had to move back in with my parents and um, that was a pretty strenuous thing. You know, my children are now 13 and 16, but um, then they were much younger. So, and having to get them registered in schools in the middle of the year, it it was, it was a lot. And I felt like, what am I going to do? Like I, the shit's just not working out in my life. And at the same time I would go and I would work in kitchens and, pull 16 hour days with a smile on my face, making $9 an hour sometimes, you know, and then mm-hmm. pull 10 out. And I'm not complaining about it because let me tell you something. I love getting in a kitchen. And I remember people saying like, you should be making more money at some points. And I was like, I love this. I love this. This is the place. So, so culinary was the first, you know, in a kitchen, the mental clarity that I had in that space where all I had to do was be me and create stuff. And, my fast going mind could just wander and roll. So it's almost like when hunting came into the picture, I needed the other side of that. Um, and I remember just like sitting in a deer stand and I started having like all these thoughts. I would have all these thoughts just coming to my head. My phone is full of like thousands of notes of just like, some of it's just like, people are assholes, blah, 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 blah. And then some of it's like, some of it's like pretty philosophical shit. I'm like, where did that come from? Um, so I, I, I was just paying attention and that's, that's what it's been for me. It's been a journey of, um, paying attention and, and honoring the things that do that to us in whatever way, shape or form. So, um, yeah, I remember that. And I, I still like, I mean, I've told people like, and even before, you know, people are like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm hunting. I don't have any of the other answers, but I'm hunting. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and like, where are you going? What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm creating things. I'm hunting. And, and that's kind of, when I'm like, okay, so I've got to put myself in this position to um, be amongst all these things. <laughs> so that's kind of where the whole traveling and um, cooking and it's worked out. So. No, it's good. It's a, it's a cool opportunity to get to do that. And, and I, I mean, personally, I like the intersection of, you know, I, I grew up hunting in a very small area, like in southeastern Oklahoma. It's like you hunted there and, and you went to the same place every year, your family's land or friend's land or whatever, and you kind of stayed in that little area. Now that I'm an adult and I have the availability and the ability to go travel further away now i i purposely seek out more opportunities to connect sort of my love for travel my love for food and my love for for hunting and fishing and and just to be like hey what really cool stuff can we do and yeah um, i i think i try to feed i try to feed all the all the all the inlets that, that mm-hmm. I require to sort of find like balance in my life of like yeah. interacting with people, solitude, food, creativity, uh, adventure, travel, all that stuff. So it's like, it's, it's a, it's an awesome thing when it comes together in a good way. 
Yeah, it really is. And um, I, I relate to you on many levels to everything you said. So. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about, um, so I don't know, we, we, you touched on it before, but like, uh, kind of touching a little bit on the vegetarian side and then, and then heading into wild game, you know, you mentioned, uh, moving back home and kind of not having availability of a, a lot of, uh, qual we'll say quality ingredients, if that's a fair word. Um, but like, could, could you shed light and kind of paint a picture on, on how that path went? If not, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I've, I've never really been a big fan of meat. I'll say that like growing up. Um, I mean, I did eat meat as a kid, but I was more of like the fish of filet girl from McDonald's. So <laughs> not the double, not the yeah, double like after softball games, all of my friends were getting happy. And I was like, I need a fish of filet. So yeah, <laughs> or whatever they're called now. Um, so basically though, um, by the time I was like, I've no, and also like fast food, like I've not, I just don't eat it. Um, and I mean, it does, I'm not like, I don't think people are terrible if they eat it. You know, I hate to even say that, but it is a part of who I am. So like, I have to say it. I don't like it. <laughs> like I yeah, just same. sit there and think about like, I'm like, I could literally just be eating shit or eating shit might be better than this. So, <laughs> I mean, I just don't, um, I don't like that. So the vegetarian thing, um, it was definitely, it definitely stemmed from learning a lot about the, um, different areas of our food industry and the processing and how that went down, um, in culinary school. So I was like, guess I'm just going to see what I'm made of. I lost a lot of weight during like a very short period of time too. Um, I remember one of my teachers, uh, meeting me in the hallway one day and she was like, Hey, will you please eat? <laughs> I was like, I am. <laughs> I mean, I was well, actually like not having stuff. anything from an animal. Like I was not having anything oh like, so you're so like full like, vegan it was yeah it was pretty um so then i like gradually went into vegetarian and then from that point on i was kind of moved back home as like pescatarian and that was mm -hmm. always really easy so but i still had this really big desire like to just um I, I kind of there's always been this part of me for a very long time and it's been very gradual and subtle at first um to like almost like, I don't want to be this fraud chef. Like, I don't want to be serving people these wholesome vegetables if they're not wholesome vegetables. Like, yep. <laughs> I want totally, I, yeah. Agree 100%. responsibility. So like, if I'm going to serve you mac and cheese, I'm going to call it mac and cheese. I'm not going to call it like organic, all fucking grass fed, whatever dairy, you know, like, because it's mac and cheese. Yep. Um, and I do value like good quality products and I think that everybody does like, that's a thing, but so really a lot of it stemmed from a need for food, for healthy foods and a desire to learn curiosity and to not want to be a fraud. Um, and I'm still kind of like that. Like if, if I'm going to cook anything, I'm going to research like everything about it. If it's my first time, you know, where did, where was the origins of this? Who, Who's been doing this? Whose culture am I tapping into? Um, mm, that's just, a good one. You know, like what what is this? And I and then there's the other side of that that I think um, there's it gets to be too nitpicky when we talk about the you know the different cultures and like well this is Cajun or this is Creole and this is this and it's like hey your great grandmother made it my great grandmother made it. And now we're gonna make it. <laughs> like it's well, not. Nick, we we could get we could go we could go deep into the Cajun versus Creole debate here. Um, Those things touch nerves. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they do. You want to hear? Uh, this is this is a really interesting story. Uh, I, I touched on it. So my grandmother. So I grew, you know, I grew up in Oklahoma, right? And uh, so we had a not we. It was when my my mother and my aunts were in uh, in high school. They had a foreign exchange student that was doing some work at university. And this was back in the 70s. Um, and he was from Iran. 
and he stayed with them. I never met him. I, I never met him. This is long, 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 long before me. Um, never met him, but he taught my grandmother how to cook some Iranian food, some Persian food, and she can still crank out like some really amazing Persian food. And I'm like, that's awesome. This is awesome. Uh, right. And so, could you imagine being like, oh wait, grandma, you can't do that because that's not your culture. Like, no. Yeah. You know, yeah, like no. that's <laughs> like no, like please always cook it. <laughs> it's uh, that's one of those things. We're not. Uh, I think as long as we're sort of like. I guess properly representing it, as long as we're like in a respectful way Res- representing the food and acknowledgement. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's not like, hey, check out what I'm, what I created on my own. You know, it's the uh, it's the writer's equivalent of plagiarism. Right. But right. yeah, it's be like, hey, I found this cookbook, or I found this recipe, or this mention of, you know, this stew from you know southern Mexico that I wanted to make, and you know, yeah, I put my own spin on it, but its origins are still there. Like, right. I, I, I think as long as that's that's there, we're, we're you know, good. and one of the there's there's a quote, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but um, I I've, I think about it all the time, like in um, different cooking situations or conversations coming up, as far as culinary goes, and it's everything that you've done has already been done. Like, Ooh, yeah, not that not that new ideas aren't valuable they surface in a different way but for the most part like it's almost like this very humbling way (laughs) something about it is very humbling like calm down it's not that serious and Mm -hmm. continue to do this and do it in your own way but that so everything i mean (laughs) human existence um we're not even that old (laughs) like no and and you you think about concepts like that, and it's like there's you know there's the the commonality and the tradition and the educational aspect of it, and then at the very top of the pyramid, there's like a very few like highly educated, highly skilled like elite people right. <laughs> in the field that those those guys are like sort of breaking ground, you know, your, your Escoffiers or right. you know, your, yeah. your Paul Prudhomme or whoever, like yeah. they're at the top of the pyramid and then everybody else is kind of just like, it's slowly trickling down right. and then <laughs> we're taking inspiration off them, but you never, you never know who's going to be that next person. So uh, that, that is a good point. Plug in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. But I, 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 I forgot why I said that. I say that to say, that's um yeah i agree with you nothing there's (laughs) little there's little that probably already hasn't been done and not to say like you said there's not original ideas and concepts out there somebody's probably thought about it right i want to talk some about some of your recipes that you've done on harvesting nature we can run through those uh kind of do a little uh what inspired you to make them kind of the process just whatever you feel like talking we got we got some time to to discuss them if you like so um camp hash is one of my favorites yeah Um, i like that one too oh man i'm a huge fan of hash yeah um the food (laughs) well and honestly that was something that like over the years i've just kind of been doing my dad used to make it um in his own little way you know it's like leftover whatever tossed in a skillet and not necessarily your traditional hash um but as i've uh started like cooking at camps or you know cooking at the camp where i hunt here and or even like a big family weekend you know like um anytime there's potatoes or whatever um, or I, I would also try to like plan my meals to where like there's potatoes, roasted potatoes one night that can be cold, mm-hmm. like left over and utilized. Um, and then all those meats, like, you know, like if you do a seared elk tenderloin, then dice it up and throw it in your hash. Like, so it, it's a beautiful thing. And I just think an egg makes everything really great. <laughs> oh man, so, an, over easy, an over easy <laughs> egg is like. That's pretty close to that's pretty close to heaven right there. Yeah, and like uh, <laughs> I think so. Also, after a crawfish boil, um, that's another thing. Oh like, yeah, throw a crawfish. I, I use I use all the the vegetables from crawfish boil to do hash the next day, uh, and I even put the crawfish. I'll 
I'll pick all the crawfish tail and put them in there too. And it's so good. So do people think that you're like crazy when you're like, don't throw away the crawfish. I'll peel them. I'll keep them. Yeah. I'll Everybody's sit there like, like, why are you doing that? I'm like, I, I want mean, to. It's, it's like the perfect point of the party. You're either like, it's late enough that you just take like the couple gallon Ziploc bags home with you. Cause there's inevitably just about always leftovers <laughs> or as everybody's just sitting around, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever, like you just take a pile and you just start peeling the tails and throwing them in a bag. <laughs> and it's like, you're just there still ha- talking. You're just peeling right. crawfish tails. <laughs> yeah. My family's like, give it to Tori or an ice chest. Tori will take it home. And I like spend the whole next day peeling crawfish. Oh, but it's so worth it. Oh my God. So worth it. So worth it. Actually, um, not long ago, uh, a few weeks ago, I made, I took the lemons. So we had the lemon halves uh-huh. and I, um, I treated them as if they were like preserved lemons. And so Ooh. I, I made a, um, I made a spicy, so it was spicy from the crab boil. So uh-huh. I like blended them up or processed them, I guess, in the food processor, um, and put honey, some a little bit of uh, Louisiana hot sauce, and some turmeric. So it was like a really bright yellow, beautiful vinaigrette. Um, and because I, I was like, wow. I don't want to throw these away. Um, yeah, so it's like this spicy, sweet, uh, yeah. beautiful yellow. <laughs> that was fine. Man, that sounds really good. You could bottle that stuff. I yeah, I mean, it. I'm just like, y'all are going to throw this shit away? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there's so much, and people have different ways, different things they put in their boil too, but like there's a good standard. Uh, and, and I think it, it lends to doing a lot of different things with, even like I used to save, uh, I would save the boil water a lot and, uh, then use it later on as like stock. Yep. Uh, cause I mean, you got some good flavors in there as long as you strain it out pretty well. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's so much you can do with so much stuff. So we were talking about crawfish, and it, it makes me think. So I, I edited, and we released the uh, – it's a podcast episode uh, with Shrek, who runs the Noob Spiro podcast. So he's a, uh, a spear, Spiro, spear fisherman in uh, Australia. And so they call their lobsters in Australia crayfish, which I was like, it's – you know – yeah. Wow. And, huh. But the thing is, is the picture that I found on his Instagram with it, it literally looks like a giant crawfish, um, but it's it, they're bright red like yeah. once it's boiled, which blew my mind. Um, and we went down a long road of talking about lobster, and we got on the topic of lobster sashimi and all this. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, down down, it, it was my nice. turn for a rant. <laughs> yeah, no, like... That's you just said, you know, that it they're not they're not red when they're yeah. harvested. And that's something actually, I don't remember, but I, I heard someone talking about that not long ago. And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Like, because uh-huh. we know that because we get live crawfish, but so lobsters yeah. the same way. Yeah, it's just kind of the same as, um, you know, crabs. Yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess like all the crustaceans. But it's crazy because this one lobster is in fact red. And I wonder what color it turns when you cook it, though. That's oh, so this yeah. one was no, this was uh, it was raw, like he had oh, just wow. cut it. Okay. He was just holding it up in the picture, like he just dove for it, and it was bright red, like a. It looked like if you took a cooked crawfish, and you put oh, it on like a okay, yeah, it, it grew up. It was that, yeah, it was wild. Okay, so I was confused. Wow, I'm gonna have to go stalk him. That's okay. <laughs> I probably didn't explain it well. <laughs> um well now that we've we've talked about crawfish which is awesome um so the elk pie that's another good one you have so the inspiration for the elk pot pie uh came from just i had a wealth of elk meat in my freezer um a really good friend of mine and uh on a hunt in colorado and he had tons and tons of elk meat and he gave a lot of it to me. So my freezer was full and I spent, I still have a freezer full of elk meat. Um, my kids are pretty disgusted with me. They're like, if you cook elk one more time. <laughs> so I'm not doing it like every night of the week now. But anyways, so yeah, I I, um, I was just getting creative with it. And um, I think my favorite part about that meal in particular was the red wine reduction uh, 
with a little smidgen of honey in it. Um, So that was a really great thing. And and then the colors of that dish was really great. Add a poached egg and you're winning. So it was cool. It was fun. And yeah, it was a, there was a lot of cool ingredients that came together. Yeah. and, And to be honest, a lot of that is just stuff that like, I'm like in my fridge and I'm like, wait, I should use this. Wait, I have a few of these left. (laughs) <laughs> so I'm, I'm really big on that um most of my cooking stems from having uh some things that i need to use yeah it's a really cool dish i like the the use you don't often see a lot of meat pies and that was cool because it was kind of like an open-faced uh meat pie as well which which i thought was neat because you get to see everything you're eating sometimes you dig into a pie and you're like what exactly is this but uh, no question there. Yeah, and you know, honestly, um, it's funny because I have this. There, I, sometimes I can be fully um, in the zone, in the, like this baking and pastry um, zone of like aesthetically pleasing and perfection, and then sometimes I'm the polar opposite. So um, I'm pretty sure that when I started, that I was like, I'm gonna do this beautiful lattice work, and then I was like, No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to eat. We're hungry. So. <laughs> well, if we can, let's let's uh, let's touch base a little bit on the the bass and arugula salad we got listed here. That looks pretty good as well, or sounds good. Yeah, um, that was my most recent thing to prepare. Um, I had um, some bass that my son and I caught, and um, I did jump up and go buy arugula for that recipe. Um, because I, <laughs> I love the way it tastes, and I had some some fresh raspberries that I um, made into a vinaigrette. So, and then pickled quail eggs, and um, yeah, it was a there was a lot of beautiful colors with that. So I like the way you served it on the open on the, on like the cutting board there. It's really cool. It brings all the ingredients like out in the open. Yeah, I any opportunity I have to put something on like a slate or wood. <laughs> I'm, I'm always i'm always looking for something that's not like a, a plate i get really bored with plates so uh what what type of if you don't mind me ask what type of bass was it um so that was largemouth Ooh, yes um we caught he caught about four that day about a month ago and um he caught four and i caught two so he definitely kicked my butt fishing that day, but um, I kept some of them whole, two of them whole, <laughs> and the two that I kept whole, um, I did salt crusted fish with those. And then what was on the salad was actually I left the scale that left the skin on and kind of left the rib cage in it too. So very light on seasoning. I just tried to keep it as healthy and basic as possible with some the lemon it turned out pretty good nice yeah i think it's bass has such a mild flavor sometimes it's pretty easy to overpower it too if you get super crazy yeah i agree you know a lot of a lot of people snub their nose at uh at people who eat largemouth bass i don't i grew up eating largemouth bass that was a huge food source for us but there's definitely i think some competition fishermen and some anglers in modern times that that are aghast when someone uh talks about eating largemouth bass but is that true i mean i could see that so i wonder what what i mean do they want you to throw it back and not yeah. eat it or they just don't want to clean their they fish? want it to get bigger so your last recipe that i want to hit on is rabbit sauce piquant sauce piquant there you go <laughs> this is the accent now <laughs> There it is. So the rabbit sauce pecan, basically, um, you know, I grew up with uh, watching my grandfather and my dad, like, sit over a stove and babysit a roux. So every kind of meal, basically, that um, every meal that I I grew up knowing, um, especially in reference to, like, Cajun or I might screw this up, Creole, (laughs) Um, my my parents or my dad and my grandfather, they really um, took their time with it, which is something I value now as I'm older. But I also, as a a mother of children who get really hungry and do not want to sit there and watch me at a stove stir a pot of roux, um, I'm always looking for quicker ways to kind of uh, speed up the process of something. 
and also maintain the integrity of the food, um, especially when wild game is concerned, but also for the health benefits um, of everyone who gets to eat the meal. Um, so basically, I um, jar roux, man. You know, you got <laughs> to do it. You got to do it sometimes. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, that's another thing. With, uh, it, it, it turned out really good. And I, I, that was actually probably my third or fourth time making a sauce pecan. And, um, I had, we had harvested the rabbit, uh, the day before and I was like, it's going right in. So, um, I really love cooking at hunting camp and, amongst my people I feel really comfortable getting creative there um, it's a little different whereas when I go on jobs you know you have people with specific wants and needs mm -hmm. and um, they may not want me getting all creative <laughs> as much which <laughs> you know it is what it is so on this recipe did you uh, did you completely fry the rabbit or just like brown it and then add it in and let it stew in the in the sauce so I, um, I, I believe I'm, I believe I fried it in, in ghee. Uh, I, I may not have, I, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at that recipe in so long, but most of the time I'll tell you this with frog and squirrel or anything. I always try to use ghee, but, um, because I, I like butter. I think butter's a great, <laughs> but ghee especially mm -hmm. just, I don't know. I think it leaves a better flavor anyway. So I, I did let it get crispy on each side, and then I kind of set them aside, and I made my sauce because sauce, um, and then I put them back in there. So that, that helped maintain some of the crispy outside, so it wasn't like soggy, bready stuff floating around. Um, it worked out pretty good, though. There's always things, though. I mean, no matter what I'm cooking or how long I've been cooking something, there's always something that could be done different or perfected. <laughs> Nice. I like it. It's, it's cool. It's a good recipe. Um, I made some, uh, the restaurant I was working at down here for a while, a couple of years ago, they got an order of, uh, alligator in and then normally they would get like an alligator sausage and instead they got like alligator tails and they're like, what do we do with it? And I was like, I got the perfect recipe. And so, uh, I, I nice. Yeah, man, that's awesome. That's when you get to stay. Yep. Roots. <laughs> This is my contribution, guys. Yep. So it, it was good, though. It was uh, it came out really well. I think we sold, we ran it as a special, and maybe I, I, I only made like 15, 15 or twenty of them, but we sold out by before dinner, which was I was happy about. Nice. Yeah. Man, a sellout's always a good sign. Yes. Yes, it is. Eighty six. It. That's right. <laughs> Say um, it again. As we sort of wrap up here, we're fighting through some technology issues tonight, but um, I guess what upcoming plans or, or adventures or travels are, are you looking forward to here in the in the future? Uh, good question. Um, so I'm actually leaving uh, this weekend back to Record Buck Ranch in Utopia, Texas, where I will be doing a wild game cooking demo and a little bit of field dressing um, for – it's a women's skills camp. Uh, super excited oh, about that. And after that, I will be hunkering down um, again and kind of scheduling things and booking things. I'm hoping um, sometime within the next six months, uh, if, if not be right before hunting season begins. So if not in September, I'm looking to probably in March host some kind of wilderness to table dinner um, and bring together a bunch of chefs in the wild and do a really exclusive dinner experience, possibly overnight camping. Um, I'm trying really hard to piece all that together because I think that's like uh, kind of the ultimate goal, like to, to get these experiences and to be a part of kind of curating and creating and inspiring people to get outside. That's awesome. Well, let, let me know uh, if you need some help or on that. I'm, I'm happy to, to go. I'm, I'm, uh, leaving the Florida Keys and headed to Colorado. You've already so. been added to the list, my friend. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> Good to know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be able to travel a little easier uh, here coming up, being more in a central part of the U.S. So uh, that should be good. But uh, 
outside of that, so this is kind of the the point in the show where where we do a sort of last thought, uh, any misfires, alibis that 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 we have. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and since you're the guest tonight, open it up to you. Do you have a last thought you want to leave leave us with uh, before we close out? Um, you know, <laughs> there there's a lot to be said for um, paying attention in life in general. Honestly, if that's one thing I can tell people, like if that's the one thing I've learned in every endeavor, pay attention. <laughs> that's it. Nice. I like it. Pay attention. That's a good takeaway. Um well, I really appreciate you you hopping on with me tonight and uh battling through the technology issues that we've had. Um and it's been a really great show. I've enjoyed chatting uh, about food and kind of going into some of the philosophy about food and learning more about you and, and sharing more about your experiences in the, in the hunting and fishing world, which is, which is awesome. Uh, I, I think you're, you're doing a great job in the space and I'm excited to see, uh, what, what else you got and cook and all the other stuff, right? Uh, hopefully join you in cooking adventures. So, uh, a lot of fun can come from this I think for sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to say everybody else out there, thanks for listening. Uh, As always, show notes and recipes are just below wherever you're listening to this podcast. You'll see the links there. You can click them, go straight to it. And, uh, oh, one last thing. What's the best way for people to connect with you if they have questions or, or want to make sure they're following you on social media? Definitely Instagram is where I'm most active as far as social platforms. Um, that's the underscore gathering, no G at the end, underscore girl. Um, and then also I've, uh, my friend Ricky Folger and I have been hosting um, a, we have a club in, on Clubhouse where we speak with different um, different people about their point of views in the outdoor space and kind of also we've, we have Quite a few really amazing, we've had some really cool chefs come on.